as well. Uh, Ben's going to be sharing next week in the main service uh, a little bit about their stuff over in PNG, as well as uh, doing the Good News service in a few weeks as well. Uh, special music was going to be uh, Robin Coldiron. Uh, however, they had to uh, end up leaving a little bit early here. There were some issues with her grandmother back at home, uh, just some, some things not going well, so they, they went back home. So we would actually like to take a, a moment just to be in prayer for the family real quick. So if you bow your heads with me. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you again just for the opportunity we have to be here. Lord, we, again, we thank you just for the ministry taking place down in Harrisburg. But Lord, I just want to take some time real quick to be in prayer for Robin and Caleb and the Abramitis family, for their grandmother, Lord, uh, for whatever is going on there. Lord, that you just be with the family and help them have peace and comfort through uh, whatever it is. And Lord, I just pray that you give uh, wisdom and discernment of how to handle the situation of what's going on with their grandmother back home. Lord, we just pray that uh, your uh, power will be um, worked out there and that uh, they will see you working in their lives throughout this situation. Lord, we thank you for this, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Kinder, uh, kindergarten through third grade, you guys are dismissed for junior church. You guys are going to be headed downstairs with Dana Cooper this morning. Thank you, Dana. The rest of you guys, if you would grab your Bibles. Today we're going to be looking at biblical fatherhood and what it looks like in action. Of course, as I was studying for this sermon, I did what all great pastors do in order to study. I googled the term fatherhood. I got some very interesting results, right? Of course, Google, Google can be a help and a hindrance sometimes. Uh, but I found a few things that I want to share with you guys, a little bit about fatherhood or being, being the best father, what it looks like. There's a lot of different news sources, of course, as you guys know, out there. And so I just grabbed a few of them. I thought these thoughts were interesting of what people were seeing. First one was this image here that was a uh, saying or a quote or something like that. A daddy isn't defined as a man who makes the child, but rather a man who extends his hand and time to help with the child's raising and his heart to love the child through anything. Blood doesn't always make you a daddy. Being a daddy comes from the heart. Any fool can make a baby, but it takes a man to raise the child. So I read that, and I was like, okay, you know, that's, that's actually half decent. You know, there's, it's that element of, it's, it's more than just having a kid. You know, being a father is more than just that. There's something beyond it. And this one says it's this time, it's energy, it's helping with the raising, okay? But continued on, I actually found a speech here uh, by President Obama back in 2016. He actually addressed this on Father's Day. And he actually did a fairly decent job with this speech. He simply said this, quote, We need fathers to realize that responsibility does not end at conception. We need them to realize that what makes you a man is not the ability to have children, it's the courage to raise one. He continues on and he talks about simply uh, a couple different things that fathers need to do. He says, first is the setting of an example of excellence for your children. The second thing we need to do as fathers is pass along the value of empathy to our children. And then he says, we need to continue to build founds a strong foundation for our children. 
He goes, even with our obligations as fathers and parents, we may still face difficult challenges in our lives, even if we do this perfectly. And I thought, wow, that's actually half decent. Man, that's a great encouragement for fathers. He pointed out some great things there. And then the Washington Post had this. They said, so what's the job? What's the job of being a father? I think it's more than being available or cheering at soccer games or taking a kid to visit colleges. The dad is supposed to be there for the heavy lift. He is there, or he's the first to arrive, the last to go home in crunch time. His support has no waiver in it. There is no ambiguity about his feelings. He believes in the child to the point that he will let go and trust the child and make good decisions. He is not overprotective or meddling. His rational or He's rational about likely risks and calms unnecessary fears. Somehow makes the world less scary. A good father is somehow just there, always a reassuring presence. And I thought, okay, you know, these are not bad quotes. These have got snippets of truth. These are actually good things to emphasize. I continued on as I read and got into psychology today, thinking, okay, well, let's see what psychology has to say about fatherhood. To sum it up, after article after article, everyone agrees having a father in the house is a very valuable thing. Having a father at home helps the child's development greatly. A father that's absent, though, hinders that development. We're going to see a little bit of that today. So, of course, the question we want to ask simply is this. What is the role of a father in the household, in the family, right? What is his role? What is he supposed to be doing? What is God's plan for him? Why did he put a father there in the family? We could do the same thing with motherhood, but today we're going to focus on fathers since it is Father's Day and our responsibility. We're also going to ask the question, is it even important to have them around? Is that relationship with our fathers important to us? And so simply we're going to see this. Not only are we told the responsibilities and tasks of a father in God's word, But the perfect father has actually demonstrated what fatherhood looks like to us. Throughout his handling of history with Israel and with us as Christians, he's demonstrated perfect fatherhood. And it also shows us how important it is and how needed it is to have this relationship with him. So we're going to do some Bible study here today. So if you'd Bear with me. We're going to be flipping through our Bibles rather quick. I do have some of the stuff up on the screen for us to read, but I know that the font's a little small to fit it all in. The underlined sections, of course, are going to be the kind of highlighted areas that we're going to see. So if you would turn, Genesis 18, 19. Genesis, of course, is the first book. We could start with Adam being the first father and, of course, what he does. But I want to look at Abraham. Real briefly, Genesis eighteen nineteen. it says this, For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised. Just real briefly, the principle here we see that the father's responsibility is what? Not only to command his children, to instruct his children, but to what? He doesn't just involve his children, he involves his entire household, right? He, he could have just ended, you know, to, that he may command his children 
to keep the ways of the Lord. But no, why is God expanding this just a little bit? Because the fact of the matter is Abraham oversaw. He had an influence on everyone in his house. And so, first off, we see that a father's responsibility is to command and lead his children in the way of the Lord as well as his entire household. But what it is, what is it? He keeps the way of the Lord by doing what? What are the two words in there? Teaching them righteousness and justice, what those two elements are. Which is something we're seeing greatly missed in today's society. Justice and righteousness is in flux. We don't really know what's right and wrong. We don't know really what is justice or how to act justly with other people. And I think we could probably suppose that some of it is because of the broken family system that we see here in America today. Fathers abandoning their houses, not committing to their wives and to their children, or not seeing their responsibility as necessary or important. Well, continuing on, Genesis is just one. We we're going to see a lot of Proverbs today. Why? Because Proverbs is a book written by a father to his son to instruct him and to guide him. Right off bat, Proverbs 1, 8 simply says this, Hear, my son, your father's instructions, and forsake not your mother's teachings. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. So I want to just simply start off by simply saying that if you notice through Proverbs, you're going to see that father's instructions and mother's teachings, fathers and mothers are usually connected in these terms. Why? Because both people have a part in this, or parenthood, right? Both mother and father have roles to teach and instruct and to guide. Today, again, like I said, we're going to focus on fathers. So here we see in Proverbs 1.8, it's simply the father's job to instruct his children. And then what happens? Well, it doesn't necessarily say what he's instructing them in, but he talks about the value of this instruction, doesn't he? He says what? That they will be a graceful garland for your head and a pendant on your neck. Now, many of you guys know jewelry is valuable, right? It usually means something to us. And we wear it around, and it's usually visible to others. Same thing here. The Father's instructions are invisible, or not invisible, sorry, are visible to others, right? They see them, because why? You live them out. And they're valuable to you. You hold on to them. You cherish them. Going on, Proverbs 2, 1 through 2 says, My son... If you received my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. What is the father simply pointing out to his son? He says, look, if you take my commandments, you incline your heart to understanding. The father's words are supposed to be about wisdom and understanding, helping his kids through this helping them understand how to live in this world, guide them through it, how to work within it, and how things work, right? It's part of our role as fathers to continue to teach and set these things up for our children so that they can understand more and more. As many of you guys know, when we have kids, they're not born intelligent. They do foolish things. They have to learn. Part of our role as a father is to instruct, give them commands, Help them through these things. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12 says this, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be wary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. So notice just simply here, Proverbs 3, 11 through 12, it's simply talking about, hey, God disciplines those he loves. 
Just as, what? It's a reflection of what? The same thing fathers do to their children. Fathers don't let their children get away with everything. They do discipline them. They do reprove them. They do correct them. Why? Because a father loves his children. The discipline, the reproof is done out of love. And because the father delights in his son. We continue on. Proverbs 4, 1 through 4. says this, Hear, O son, a father's instructions. Be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son of my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. So again, here's just a few more things a father is begging his son to take notice of. First, the father's instructions. Again, you're going to see instructions a lot. But then he says, look, that be attentive that, I may, or that you may gain insight. So a father is expanding his kid's mind, helping him understand. For I give you good precepts. Now, what's a precept? That's the question. It's a fancy word, but do we understand what it means? If, you, if I were to ask you what is a precept... What would you say? A what? A law? Ah, principles to live by. Very good. Yeah. It's a principle to live by. A principle for life. It helps them guide them through life. Don't forsake my teachings. Again, so a father is teaching his kid. And then notice, why does the writer go back to what his father had told him? Because he's passing on the same thing his father passed on. And so our role as fathers is to continue to teach others what our Father has taught us. Proverbs 6, 20 through 23. As I said, there's a lot of Proverbs today. My son, keep your father's commandments and forsake not your mother's teachings. Again, these things go hand in hand for parenthood. For the commandment is a lamp and a teaching a light, and the reproofs of discipline are a way of life. So again, we're seeing the value of the commands. The commands are supposed to help guide the children, show them the correct way, right? You know, we read uh, Psalms 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We understand God's word sheds light in dark times. Here, it's actually comparing a little bit of that. What? The Father's commands is supposed to be a lamp and his teachings a light, revealing to the kids how to live, showing them which direction to take, even in dark times. And then there's the reproofs of discipline. The corrections of discipline are supposed to be a way of life, helping them guide them to show them how to live, how to interact with others, how to interact with creation or with their spouses or things like that. The parent doesn't just let his child get away with stuff. There is some discipline. And part of that is for the father. Proverbs 13.1 says what? A wise son hears his father's instructions, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. This is from the child's perspective of how the child receives things, but simply what is the father offering to his child yet again? Instructions, guidance, direction. All right, He's giving them good and helpful words. Yet we just notice that a foolish son will just disregard that. Let's go to the New Testament. Let's jump Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. This passage, of course, has a broader context, but I want to pull out one 
principle that Jesus even makes about fathering here. He says, Or which one of you, if his son asks for him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil, worthless, or no good, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? What is Jesus pointing at here? If we who have a sin nature, who are poor fathers to begin with, know how to treat our kids with kindness, doesn't our Heavenly Father do the same thing to us? The answer is yes. He dem- God the Father demonstrates perfect fatherhood. He knows how to give good gifts. He gives the things that we need, just as our fathers treat us well. Well, going on, we talked about this one last week in the Good News Service, 1 Thessalonians 2.11. Paul, of course, is talking to a church. He just has expressed that, hey, I treated you like a mother. I was caring. I was compassionate. I shared my life with you. And then he changes. He goes, for, for you know how, like a father with his children, we have exhorted each one of you, encouraged you, and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Paul pulls his illustration from parenthood, saying, yes, I I worked with you, I cared about you like a mother, but now I want to show you how I treated you just as a father would treat his children. He exhorted them, he encouraged them, and he charged them to exhort, to explore, to appeal, to console, to invite into. Essentially, it's that same idea of encouragement, to push them forward, to guide them, to correct them, show them where they go, and then to charge them to walk that way. Which way is that? Simply to walk in a manner worthy of God. A father's role is to help guide his children according to God's word, his law, his ways. Let's move on. Ephesians 6, 4. Paul again addresses fathers. He addresses wives. He addresses husbands. He addresses children. Now he addresses fathers. What does he say to the father? Father, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the what? Discipline and instructions of of the Lord. Good, again, so now we see that Paul is giving what? Fathers, the role of disciplining. But it's not disciplining alone. What is supposed to go with discipline? Instruction. Why is that? We We did a parenting class not too long ago, Wednesday nights. We talked about how these two have to go hand in hand. The discipline is what? Telling them, hey, you did something wrong, you did something bad. The instruction is teaching them what? Next time you face this situation, how do you respond? What is the actual correct way to respond to something like this? It's something that has to go hand in hand, because if you discipline just for discipline's sake, it's punishment. It's just say, hey, you did something wrong, slap on the hand. That's it. But the instructions is to prepare them for the next time the situation comes around, they know what to do. The children will get it. They will respond correctly. And then last but not least, I know this font is really small. There's a lot to put up on this screen. But Hebrews 12, 7 through 9 says this, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, 
then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? What is the writer, most likely Paul, saying here in Hebrews? Is God disciplines those he loves, just as a father disciplines those he loves. But what's the end result of proper discipline and instruction? Respect, right? On whose part? The father's, because the father is operating properly among his family and among his children. All right, now this is not a comprehensive list of all the passages. In fact, I I love Deb's offertory here. Because why? Joshua makes a very good point. Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Joshua leads his family as an example there. And I thought that fit in greatly today. I want to just sum up some principles for us to take home. Fathers, I encourage you to write these down and post them where you will see them each and every day. Because this is something that we have to live up to. Because it's been the role and responsibility God has given to us. So here are a couple. There's seven of these. The first is the father is to teach his children to follow God and his word. One of our main roles is to teach our children to follow God's word and to walk in it. All right? That's pretty simple. We teach them what is in it. But what does that mean for us then? As fathers, that means we have to be in it ourselves. We have to be doing it ourselves. We cannot teach someone something that we do not know. I know Ron, where's Ron? There he is. Ron, you teach math. I've heard Ron talk about math, and it's way over my head, okay? Fact of the matter is, he could teach it because he understands it, and you've studied it, right, Ron? The same thing for us as parents. Think about it this way. The only way we are able to teach our children what is in God's Word is if we study it for ourselves, and we know it, and we practice it. Guys, that goes for everyone in here. That principle is just general. You want to share God's word with others. You want to teach others God's word. You have to be in it yourself. But a father's role is to teach his children to follow God and his word. The next one is that a father is to motivate and encourage his children to walk with Christ. The reason God has put fathers in the family, the reason God has given the responsibility of the father, responsibilities to the father, is to motivate and encourage his children to walk with Christ, to walk in it. He's going to remind his children, why is it important to follow Christ? Why is it important to do the right thing? Why is it important to respond the way God wants us to respond in tough situations? What do we rely upon on? The father reminds his children of all of these things and motivates them. Yes, that means including the phrases like, yes, you can do it. Give it your best shot, just like we would say when they're having a tough time at a game. But I like to use this illustration with my own son. When V does the wrong thing, of course we discipline him. It's part of our role as a parent. It's part of our duty as a parent to correct him when he does something wrong. But it doesn't stop there, right? Yeah, after his spanking, after his timeout, what do I make him do? I encourage him to go and make things right with the one person he he offended. Whether that be with me, whether that be with his mother, whether that be with his little baby brother, or whether that be with the dog, okay? 
it's silly, I know, but why am I teaching them to respond this direction? He's still trying to figure out how to work and play with a dog that's two times his size and much stronger than him. Um, and sometimes you know, he gets mad at the dog and tries to hit her. Why do I tell him, you need to go apologize to the dog? Because what? It's the right thing. It's just teaching him how to respond in all these situations. When you do something wrong, I tell him, you can do it. And so he goes, he asks, of course, he says, I'm sorry to his mom. Sometimes the words are a little choked out by crying, but the fact of the matter is, he goes, he says, I'm sorry for what I've done. Please forgive me. And then he gives mom a hug, or dad a hug, or he you know, hugs the life out of his baby brother, <laughs> or the dog. Uh, the fact of the matter is what? Our role as fathers are to motivate and encourage our children. So when they face tough times, when they're facing difficult decisions, do we point them to the right action? Hey, have you guys have you prayed about it? You're facing a tough time at school. Have you prayed about it? Let's start there, son or daughter. A father points his children in the right direction. They motivate and encourage them to do what's right. The next thing, he lives as an example to his family. Notice, I could put he lives as an example to his children, but a father has more influence on his entire family. It's not just limited to his children. He models the behavior and attitudes God desires for him and for his family. He lives out God's word for his family. And then he, he lives out what he tells his family to do. They follow an example. They can see Christ through him. The next one is that he treats his children with love and kindness. We saw this simply, what? God our Father treats us with love and kindness. And even we who have a sin nature treat our kids with love and kindness. Part of a father's responsibility is to do so. If we think about the prodigal son, right? He comes home after worldly living, after, after spending a fortune on you know, whatever he wanted to. He got into all sorts of trouble, broke, destitute. He comes back, tells his father he's sorry, says, Father, I understand I, I may not be your son anymore, but let me just be a servant then to you. The father doesn't lecture him. He doesn't chew him out. He doesn't scream at him. He doesn't beat him up. He simply says what? No, welcome home. I'm glad you're back. You will always be my son. He responds with love and kindness to his child. Just as Jesus pointed out, the Pharisees, you don't, when your sons ask for stuff, you don't respond by giving them a rock or a serpent or something worthless. You give them what they ask. So love and kindness is part of being a father. The next one, fatherhood is or a father is to correct, discipline, and reprimand his child when they do wrong for the good of the child. This is a tough one, guys. Because our world today, I've read the papers and all the different thoughts on this, on what discipline looks like for parents, and why people are afraid of spanking their kids. And a lot of it is because it's not done correctly. It's done out of anger. And what did we read in Ephesians? No. You don't discipline in anger, fathers. You what? Discipline in... Well, sorry. You use discipline and instructions in the way of the Lord. It's part of our responsibility to discipline, to reprimand, and to correct our children. Not to just let them do whatever they want. Not to step all over the place. But to learn to submit to authority, to obey things. And to, to live correctly. God has given the fathers this extremely difficult task. And he's delegated this responsibility to us. 
And discipline is not easy, yet it is necessary. Fathers, we have to take care of our kids. We don't abuse them, but we combine discipline and instruction together. Because it's for the good of our child, so that they know how to live with others. How they, they need to know how to treat things properly. Whether it be within creation, whether it be a family member, their mom, their dad, their grandma, their grandpa, friends. Whether it be coworkers, classmates. Whether it be how to use objects. I was just reminded that this last week, my, my uh, V was, uh, he's got a little plastic golf club, right? Love him to death. But he got mad and chucked it. And I was like, man, you look like a pro golfer right now. But the fact of the matter is what? I stopped him and I said, uh-uh, uh-uh. That is not how you use that. That is not what that is do for. That is not how you react. We give them the discipline, the correction, the direction that they need. Because he needs to know that what? He chucks the club at the wrong time, he's going to hit someone. Cause a serious issue. It's my role as a father to direct him in this. Look, guys, I'm, I'm telling you, fatherhood is not easy. Parenthood is not easy. It's not an easy thing to do. One of my favorite quotes from Paul Tripp's book back there on parenting is that if we see parenting and fatherhood, okay, as stewardship from God, God has given us the responsibility and the privilege to shape our children for him. I think that's a great perspective to have, especially when we go into discipline, is that we are literally doing the Lord's work for him and that we need to do it properly just as God has asked us to do. The next one is that a father is to be a value and asset to the lives of his family. This comes from that Proverbs, right? A graceful garland on your head, a pendant or a necklace around your neck. He's supposed to be valued. He's supposed to be, have wisdom and insight into how to direct his kids. Someone that the kids can turn to in difficult times. Sometimes maybe it's the spouse to turn to in difficult times. His wife. But the fact of the matter is, if he acts the way God wants him to, he will be valued. He will be respected. He will be honorable among his family. Because why? He acted the way he's supposed to. He's a vital part of children's lives. Believe me, both parents are extremely vital to child's development, whether it be physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. Parents are needed. Fathers, you are needed. You're key to this. The way God ordered the world to work, the way the family should work, needs both sets of parents in it. And then last but not least is the father follows after the example of the perfect father. He models to his children what a relationship with God looks like and how it influences them. He shows them that it's important and needed. And he demonstrates that through the way he works and the way he lives with his and his family. He essentially looks like God to his family, right? He's not God. Please, don't, please understand that. But he models Christ to them. It's so important. And so while earthly fathers are good, and I hope you have a good relationship with your earthly fathers, they play a huge part in our lives, there's a more important relationship that you need to know about. is the relationship with your heavenly father, the perfect father, who's done everything and modeled perfect fatherhood to us. 
So simply this, God modeled and showed us what a perfect father looks like. He gave us wisdom and direction through his word. It's sitting in your lap or on your phone today. Do you read his instructions, his insight, his guidance? He's given it to you for a reason, to help you live. goes on, what? He showed us what love and kindness looks like by providing all that we need. Jesus says it in his prayer, right? Give us this day our daily bread. We need to acknowledge that. It goes on. He set the example for us to follow by loving his enemies even on the cross. And why? Man, that's just one of the greatest examples. He loved his enemies even up to the point of his death, saying what? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was an example to us. He disciplines us and corrects us, just as we saw in Hebrew. When we sin, when we disobey, why? Not because we've just done something bad. He wants to bring us back onto the right path, the straight and narrow. He encourages us and motivates us to follow, not just because his ways are good, but because he is good. And that's why our relationship with him is important. We need to be connected with our Heavenly Father. It's the most important relationship you can have here on this earth because it determines a whole lot. It determines your eternal destiny as well. Do you have a relationship with this father or not? So what do we need to learn from this? Since God modeled perfect fatherhood, we need to respond in a couple different ways. The first one is we need to recognize and understand that the relationship with our father is valuable and needed. Not that there's just that there is value in it, but it's necessary for us to live. Guys, you may have had crappy earthly fathers. I don't know your past. I don't know what you've gone through. Maybe your dad was just never there. And maybe you say, well, I don't need that relationship. The sad thing is when most people think about it like that and they see no need for an earthly relationship with their father, guess what? It reflects in their spiritual relationship with their father as well. They don't see a need to have a relationship with someone who abandoned them. And they play that same thing onto God. So for us, we need to understand, recognizing and understanding that this is a valuable and needed relationship in our life. The second thing is that we need to believe what our Father has done for us and provided for us. We need to believe what our Heavenly Father has provided for us. The fact of the matter is he's provided salvation. Neil, you did a great job during Sunday school. I loved, I loved your image up there. The relationship was broken because of sin. And we have tried so many different ways to get back to God and none of it's ever worked. And then God provided the way to get back into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, his son. By paying the price of sin on the cross, by shedding his blood, we find redemption and the forgiveness of sin. And we find that that relationship can be mended back together through what God has done. We need to believe that he has done it all and put our faith and our trust in him. The third thing is we need to commit to living God's word and listening to his wise advice. That means listening to his word, reading his word, and following it. Jesus put it this way, right? Simply do not be hearers of his word, but be doers as well. Don't just read and say, hey, that was a good thought. I'm really glad that Peter talked about fatherhood today. That's it. Go home and do something about it. Change your life according to God's word. Live it out. 
It is for your good that he has given it to us. And then last but not least, but we need to mimic and tell others about the relationship that we have with our Father and how they can have it too. Mimic and tell others about your, hev- your heavenly relationship. Many of you guys probably do have good relationships with your fathers, and I really pray that that is the case. If that is the case, then you probably have some great memories with your father. Stories that you will tell for years and tell to your children. Things maybe that your father has told you that you will continue to pass on. Maybe you'll mimic some things. I'm trying to mimic my dad and his gardening. It's not working. My gardening's dying. My dad's got a green thumb. I don't know how, but he does. I do not. But we mimic and we tell others about the relationship with our earthly father. Why not with our heavenly father as well? So I want to just end with these two questions here today. First of all, fathers, what kind of father will you be? One phrase that Obama used in his his speech on Father's Day a while ago was the deadbeat dad. I want to encourage you, don't be that. Understand, your, your task as a father is huge, it's grand, and we all falter and we all fail. Believe me, I am not perfect in fathering. But the fact of the matter is God has placed me here as a father now to shape two young lives. Actually, three. Two young and one a little bit older. Um, my family. That's my task. That's my role now. It's hard. It means I'm going to have to invest a lot of energy, time, effort into it. When I'm tired, I'm going to still have to do what's needed. Don't push it off, dads. What kind of father will you be? Will you be there for your kids? Direct them. Teach them what is needed. Or will you be absent? Will you be lazy? Pray that's not the case. The second one is for all of us to think about today. is simply what kind of relationship do you have with your father? And do you see it as important? I'm not talking just about your earthly father, though I pray that if it is bad, you mend those relationships. I'm talking about with your heavenly father. Where are you at with that? Do you have a relationship with him? If so, grow it. Get deeper into it. Grow closer together. Don't just sit there and do nothing. Put the effort, put the time into it. So I want to challenge you guys with that, and I want to end with this simple little saying. In the hymn book last week, we were singing a song last Sunday, and I found this. Hymn 534, it's a little saying. There's one for womanhood, one for manhood, and then there's a parent's creed. The end of the statement is what caught my eye. It just read this. God, help me to live so that they, my children, may always believe in me and so in thee. Simply what? As a father, we reflect our perfect father, and we need to model that to our kids. Our relationship with God will be reflected in how we parent, and I pray that that reflection is good so that your children see Christ and see the need for him in their life as well. Let's stand and close with a word of prayer. Dearly Father, Lord, again, we just thank you for being a good and perfect father that we need. Lord, we thank you for all of your provisions and for giving us good things here in this life. We need to acknowledge that all things come from you, Lord, and just help us to remember that throughout the week. Lord, I want to thank you for demonstrating what a perfect father looks like through your actions with us, for your discipline, for your correction, for your instructions, 
your guidance, your love, your kindness that you've shown to us, your grace, your mercy. Help us to see that this relationship with you is important and that it is needed by each and every one of us in this room. Lord, I want to thank you for the fathers in here who have been role models, who have taken up the call of fatherhood and been an example to their kids, to their wives, to their household. I thank you for them, and I pray for the fathers in here who don't yet understand their role of what they need to do with their kids, that they will take the step forward, start by asking you for the strength to do it, and recognizing their need for you in their life to father correctly. Lord, I know that we all, we all fall short. There's no perfect father out there besides you. And that's why we need to ask for your strength and your guidance in this. Lord, I also just think as Christians, Lord, that we continue to demonstrate the relationship with you as important to others as we go out from here how it can change us, how it can have a deep impact with us, and how much we desire to grow closer with you each and every day by getting into your word, by praying and talking with you, by living out your instructions and teaching them to others. Lord, again, just today with Father's Day, we just want to pray that we will continue to be thankful to you for the fathers you've put into our lives and help us just to remember to rely upon you, our great, good, awesome, perfect Father for each and everything we need in life. Be with us as we leave here today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in peace and go with God.